passage is going to come from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, but the first few verses, the introductory verses, come from Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52 through 53. Isaiah 52 verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made many intercessions for the transgressors. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Miss Alice, again for playing the piano today. Thank you, everybody, for attending. Let's pray. Father, thank you for another beautiful day of life. It's such a beautiful autumn day, and Lord, all around us is your creation. And as we enter into the fall season, all of the trees are changing into beautiful colors. And Lord, in our lives we have different seasons. Each season that you bring into our life, you are with us, you walk with us. And we can rely upon you, we can draw nigh unto you, Father. And also, Lord, today we're going to study your word. We ask that you'd please bless us with your truth. Guide my tongue, forgive the sin in my life, that your word is not hindered, and that your word would find fertile ground in the minds and the hearts of all the people here today. And Jesus, we just want to say thank you for the cross. We're going to look at a beautiful passage where you went to the cross and you died for us, for our sins, and that we would have a better understanding of this passage from the book of Isaiah. And Father, thank you for sending your Son, for giving us the most beautiful of all gifts which results in eternal life through Jesus. And Father, also thank you for your Holy Spirit being with us. Bless us today. We ask this in your name, Jesus, the name above all names. Amen.
Today, we're going to look at a number of passages from the book of Isaiah. As Jesse has just read, we're going to start with three verses that end in Isaiah chapter 52, and then we're going to also look at Isaiah 53. So it's a total of 15 verses, which are quite a few verses to try to discuss in one message. And it's a very detailed message. You could really spend hours literally on each one of these verses. So we're going to kind of be at maybe 50,000 feet today, but hopefully we will be able to gather some truth from these scriptures. The book of Isaiah is in the Old Testament. As you know, there are 66 books in the Bible. There's 39 in the Old Testament, and there's 27 in the New Testament. And what's very interesting is the book of Isaiah is considered like a mini Bible. It has 66 chapters. In the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are pointing to a judgment that's on the horizon for the nation of Israel. In particular, the, the two lower tribes, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And then the last 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah discuss hope and grace. So it's a picture of the Bible. You have 30, 39 chapters that are looking at the coming judgment, which is the cross. Sin is judged on the cross. And as we, in the year 2017, look back at the cross, we have all of the truth and the grace that's in the New Testament. And the last 27 chapters of Isaiah discuss grace and truth. And right in the middle of those 27 chapters, from chapter 40 until chapter 66, is Isaiah 53. And in fact, when you look at the very middle verses of chapter 53, it deals with he was wounded for our transgressions. And this discusses when Jesus went to the cross. Today the sermon message is titled, Christ Jesus as the Suffering Servant. When Jesus was born, for the 30 years that he lived before he went into his public ministry, he knew that he was going to the cross. He knew that he was going to shed his blood. All of his earthly life, he knew he was the Lamb of God. And he did it as a servant. We're going to look at this in a little bit more detail. But this term servant, this word servant, actually means bondservant. It means slave. Jesus went to the cross willingly. He gave himself willingly. If you look at page two, there's going to be five subtitles for this lesson today. Because we're looking briefly at 15 verses, so each three verses will have a title. The first three verses, the mystery of the suffering servant. The second point will be the rejection of the suffering servant. The third point will be the atoning work of the suffering servant. The fourth point will be the submission of the suffering servant. And then the last point today will be the exaltation of the suffering servant. So let's look at the first point here, the mystery of the suffering servant. Many times we are confronted in life with things that we cannot explain. And we say, wow, that was a mystery. I wonder how that happened. In the Bible, there are many, many mysteries that are defined. And the Schofield Reference Bible actually defines a mystery for us. A mystery is a revealing of a truth that was not previously known. 
But what makes it significant, that makes it a biblical mystery, is that it is a supernatural quality about it. So the fact that Jesus, who's God, had no beginning, has no ending, the Alpha and the Omega, why he would make himself into a little baby and grow up a perfect life and become the Lamb of God on a cross <laughs> at Calvary, that's a mystery. Perhaps the greatest mystery of all. Now we see through a glass darkly. We don't understand the mysteries that God has put in his word. One day we will see when we meet him face to face. Then we will understand these mysteries in great detail. Let's look at Isaiah 52, 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. This is the very essence of God. He is exalted and extolled. When he came to the earth, what we call he condescended. He came down to our level. But he is still the almighty God. Jeremiah 23, 5 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch, and the king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Through the human lineage of Mary, Jesus became a man. So he is from the tribe of Judah. Both Mary and Joseph were Jews. They were from the tribe of Judah. So Jesus, on the human side, he's all God, he's all man. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. This verse is speaking to that. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. But made himself of no reputation. Jesus condescended himself down to our level and took upon him the form of a servant. He became a human being and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus took on flesh, found in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself and Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Isaiah 52, 14. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. This is a very astonishing, actually a very amazing thing, that Jesus took on flesh. And this verse says his visage, his face, his countenance, was more marred, disfigured more than any other man. That is quite a statement. Not only did Jesus take on the wrath of God, do our sins in the spirit world, even in the physical world, he was barred beyond any man. And it says his form more than the sons of men. When we read the Gospels, we see the trauma. He started in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating drops of blood. This is a great, great agony he went through. And just the seven trials that he faced, all of them illegal, by the way. He was innocent. And then to have to bear the cross, and then having to go to Calvary, and laying on that cross and pounding the spikes in him, the crown of thorns, being taken before Herod, being made fun of, being slapped and beat, his face was marred above any man's face. Plucking his beard out. Just imagine pulling one hair out of your body having your beard plucked out. And yet he did all of this willingly as the Lamb of God. Isaiah 56. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Here is God, the very God, being spit upon. That is blasphemous. And yet he did it for us, us sinners, 
Matthew 27, 29 to 30. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him. Saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him. And they took the reed and they smote him on the head. Isaiah 52, 15. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them, they shall see. And that which they had not heard, they shall consider. Ezekiel 36, 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from your idols. Will I cleanse you? Are you clean today? Are you clean before God? You can only be clean if you come to Jesus. That's the mystery of the suffering servant. We've touched on a few, few of the verses that talk about what Jesus did at the cross. The second point, the rejection of the suffering servant. Most of the world today, they reject Jesus. He suffered on the cross, and yet people reject his free gift. Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is revealed to every person. But who has believed the report? Most people do not believe the report. Isaiah 52.10 The Lord has made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. God has revealed His glory to every person. No matter if you're in America or on the other side of the ocean but in China. God has revealed Himself. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Who has believed his report? Are we ashamed of the gospel of Christ? We should not be. It's the power of God unto salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Isaiah 53.2 For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. These verses seem to indicate that Jesus was not a handsome man, somebody that would stand out in the crowd. It says he had no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty. There was no desire to follow him in the flesh. And yet he was the very God. The only way we can come to Him is through faith. If we want to please God, we have to worship Him in faith. This person who the people rejected, we have to come to Him. Isaiah 53 is really called the first gospel. Many of the theologians consider this the true gospel. Not that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not. They are the four gospels of the New Testament. But let's say we didn't have the New Testament. When Jesus was living on the earth, the New Testament was still not written. You can find all about Jesus in this passage. This defines him as God. 
The gospel message, the requirement for the death for sin is here. He went to the cross. Isaiah talks about his resurrection, the hope and the grace in the second half of that book. Psalm 88, 3 and 4 eight. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of us? What are we that God even considers us so insignificant when you think about all of creation? The earth is a very small planet. The sun is a very small sun. The Milky Way is just the run-of-the-mill galaxy. And there's billions of stars in the Milky Way. And there's billions of Milky Ways out there. And yet, God zeroed in and He came to earth And he was born in Bethlehem in a manger. And he grew up and he died on the cross for us. These sinful creatures. The only ones in his creation who are rebellious against him. Let's look at the top of page 2. John chapter 19 verses 14 and 15. And it was the preparation of the Passover. And about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, and crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. See, Caesar represented the world. Jesus represented God. They were rejecting their king, their savior. And yet, many people in the world, many people right here in Lynchburg, are rejecting Jesus. All of us are guilty for what Christ had to do at the cross. Of course, he's God. No man can kill God. That was a decision that God made to do. He went to the cross. And the Bible says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, God knew exactly what was happening all the way back into infinity. And that verse goes on to say, You have taken it by wicked hands, have crucified, and have slain. And that wasn't just on the Jews or just on the Romans. That's on all of us in this room. He went to the cross for all of humanity, for God so loved the world. And yet, what do we do with this precious gift? Isaiah 53.3 He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. This verse is teaching us he was despised and rejected of men. The Bible is a beautiful book. It's a love letter from Christ to us. And yet, I don't think there's any verse in the Bible where it says Jesus laughed. He wept. He cried. But I don't remember reading where Jesus laughed. And this verse is saying... He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. See, Jesus knew why he was on the earth. He knew why he had to go to the cross. And in the spiritual world, sin is darkness. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Acts 3, 13-15 The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob The God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up 
and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer, Barabbas, to be granted unto you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. So here we have Peter. He's speaking to the Jewish leaders. They didn't deny it. They knew exactly what they had done. The blood was not even dry on their fingers at this point. And he's bringing to remembrance what they have just finished doing. But it's not speaking in condemnation. He's offering them the gospel message. Why Jesus died. For God so loved the world. He took on the condemnation of sin and went to the cross. The third point today. The atoning work of the suffering servant. Atonement is required in order to wash away the wrath of God that's due our sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So there is a blood atonement that's required. And Jesus is this blood atonement. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Surely he has borne our griefs. How many of us go through life and there are many things that cause us sorrow? It can be us reflecting upon our own lives. There are th- all of us have done things in our life that we're not happy with, proud of, or comfortable with the outcomes. But there are many things in our life that are beyond our control. Sometimes we grieve for people that are sick, that have cancer. Sometimes we grieve for people that are going through divorces. Or perhaps they have loved ones that are addicted to drugs. Or maybe they're in jail. Or somebody recently had a very bad accident and they're looking at a long-term rehabilitation process. Life, because of sin, is full of grief. And this verse says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him stricken, afflicted. We don't look at Jesus and say many times, thank you for what you've done on the cross. And the world certainly does not thank him for that. Matthew eight seventeen, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, Isaiah, the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Do you notice as we're reading through these verses, Isaiah is the Old Testament verse that we're reading and yet it's always reflected in the New Testament the book of Isaiah is quoted in ten different books in the New Testament and this is perhaps the passage that is most quoted it's so powerful 1 Peter 2.24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed Those stripes, when they ripped the shirt off Jesus' back and they were whipping him with that cat of nine tails. And see, they would only whip a Jew 39 times. By law, they couldn't go beyond that. But Jesus was under the Romans' jurisdiction and they had no limit. We have no idea how many stripes he took. And then remember, they took Jesus to Herod and they wrapped that royal cloth around his back. And you can only imagine... All of that blood was drying on that cloth on his back. And then when they ripped it off again, 
everything, he endured the pain. The pain was just immense. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. In the Old Testament, the word bruised in Hebrew, it means crushed. Jesus was crushed. It says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to crush him. Think about things in our life that we crush. We, we might be walking and we see a worm. We don't give it a second thought. Or some bug. Or a can of soda. You finish a Coke can. And when I was a little kid, we used to crush the cans and collect them. And it says it pleased the Lord to crush his son. Why would it please God to send his son to the cross? Because God wasn't looking at that three-hour window or that six-hour window or that 33-year window. He was looking beyond time into eternity. And he sees us seated with God in the heavenlies. He sees us being a joint heir with Christ. Because of the joy that was set before the Lord. That's why he went to the cross. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. See, Jesus was the first person, because he's God, who could raise from the dead. And it says, quickened, being made alive, by the capital S, Holy Spirit. In Romans 1, it says Jesus was resurrected through the power of his holiness. None of us can come out of the grave on our own because our flesh is defiled because of sin. Only Jesus could do that. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity, the sins, the transgressions of us all. Every one of us, when we reflect back on our life, for the most part, we have done in our life what we wanted to do. Today, you are doing, for the most part, what you want to do. Many of us had jobs and we had to get up and go to work. Or as a student, you have to study to do well on the exam. But when you look and reflect back on all of the years we've all lived in this room, for the most part, we do what we want to do. And this verse says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Astray means in the spirit world we have all sinned. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And we all sin because we believe the lie that there's the pleasure of sin. And, and indeed, there is a pleasure of sin for a season. As we read about Moses, it says, Moses enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season. But at the end of the sin, there's always death. And Jesus bore that. It says here, And have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This is such a beautiful verse. We all sin. But God says, if you come to me and you ask me to forgive, I will. And this verse says, God is abundant with his pardon. 
Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. This verse teaches us Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he will appear the second time and we will then be without sin. You notice that? It says the second time without sin because at that point we're going to have a glorified body. We will no longer be able to sin. We will only do the perfect will of God. And what a blessed day that will be. Let's look at the fourth point today. The submission of the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. When we're accused especially if we're falsely accused, the first thing we want to do is stand up and claim our righteousness. And in fact, in our legal system, most lawyers would advise somebody to plead innocent, even if they did it, because that's the first start in the negotiation process to lessen your sentence. But Jesus flips that on its ear. He takes that common understanding and says, no, that's not the Bible way. Jesus said, if you want to be clean, you come to me and say, yes, I'm guilty. Yes, I did it. If we claim innocence before Christ, we will never get into heaven. We need to understand we're sinners, but more importantly, admit we're sinners. And then to repent of that sin. Matthew 27, 12 to 14 says, And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against you? And he answered him, Never a word. Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. They're presenting all of these railing accusations against Jesus. And they're all false. Everything they brought against him was a false claim. And Jesus never stood up and said, No, I didn't do that. Because he was... As a lamb brought to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, and he opened not his mouth. Let's look at the top of page 4. 1 Peter 2.23 Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Jesus, as the Son of God, committed everything that he did to the Father. And it says he committed this very act, these trials that he was going through, to the Father who judges righteously. Isaiah 53, 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He was taken from the prison, these false prisons that he had. And you might say, well, he really was, didn't spend any time in prison. But remember, he was God, and he was taking on this burden of sin, and he had never sinned. That very essence in the spiritual world is a prison. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And it says, he was cut off out of the land of the living. In the physical world, Jesus gave up the ghost. On cross, he gave up the ghost. 
But we have no idea what was going on in the spirit world during those three hours of darkness between noon and three in the afternoon when God shut off the lights of heaven. We don't know what was going on in the spirit world. And Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? They had never been separated. And he knew no evil. And yet he was bearing the brunt of our sin. He was cut off of the land of the living. And it says, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. My people being the Christians, either Jew or Gentile. God is no respecter. Anyone can be saved. He is no respecter of person or your position in life. But he was cut off for the transgressions of his people. He went to the cross to pay the price for the sin of his people. Acts 8.33 In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. See, Jesus is the judge. At this time when he was carrying this burden, it says, in his humiliation, the God of the universe, his judgment was taken away. And it says, who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Now we know who will declare his generation. God himself will declare his generation. And when we stand before God at the judgment day, all Christians will have the advocate of Jesus before the accusers. Isaiah 53, 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. This is a very interesting verse. It says, he made his grave with the wicked. Now we know from the Gospels that Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate and asked, could he bury his body? And since all men are wicked, we're all sinners, when Jesus was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, he was buried with the wicked. But in a spirit world, hell is in the center of the earth. And it says, the Jews asked Jesus for a sign when he was preaching. Give us a sign that you're truly Messiah. Give us a sign that you're truly the Son of God. And he said, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonas. And the sign of Jonas, Jonah in the Old Testament, he went into the belly of the whale. And he was there for three days and three nights. So Jesus said, as Jonas was in the belly of three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And see, Jesus descended. He didn't suffer in hell. He suffered on the cross. But he spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And I believe that this verse is speaking to that. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Jesus never did anything violent. He turned over the money changers. And that's perhaps the, the strongest actions that Jesus did. But he was doing that to protect the reputation. He said, you make my father's house a den of thieves. He had a righteous anger at that point. Matthew 27, 57 to 60. When the even was come, there was a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body... He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone 
to the door of the sepulcher, and he departed. So here we see in the New Testament, this is referencing these verses in Isaiah 53. And talking about Jesus not having any deceit in his mouth, 1 Peter 2.22 says, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Guile is the spirit of lying, it's deceit. Everything Jesus did was true. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So Jesus, everything he did was truth. So there was no guile in his mouth. And then the last point today, the exaltation of the suffering servant. Exaltation means to lift up, to honor, to glorify. And Jesus is honored. He rose from the dead on Easter Sunday morning, and he walked on the earth for 40 days. And then the ascension, he ascended into heaven. And then the angel said to the people who were the witnesses, why do you stand looking up into heaven? As he went, he will come back. And one day Jesus will come back in the clouds. And we're waiting for that. And he is exalted today. Let's look at some of the verses. Isaiah 53.10 Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. This is what we had just discussed. It pleased the Father to crush his son. He hath put him to grief. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. But here comes the good part. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in Jesus' hand. Many of us in this room have children. I have six children. I've been blessed. They are my seed. In the spirit world, Jesus' seed is his brothers and sisters. We are joint heirs with Christ. We have been adopted into his family. Once we're a Christian, we can say, Abba, Father. Abba meaning Daddy. Daddy meaning a term of endearment. This is why the Father crushed his son on the cross. Because we are his joy. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. How many of us have had gardens and we planted some corn? You can take one seed of corn. And that, that, by the way, that corn has no life in it that's measurable. Science, when they look at that one grain of corn, that seed of corn, they cannot detect life in there. But when you take that one seed and you plant it into some good soil and you water it and it's out there in the sun, after a few days it pops out. And by the time the fall rolls around, that stalk is tall and it has numerous corn on it, cobs of corn. And every one of those cobs of corn has dozens of seeds. And this is beautiful. It says, except the corn fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. That one seed of corn will always be one seed of corn until it's planted. And see, Jesus went to the cross because he's the firstborn of all of us Christians in this room. All of the people who have received Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior for the last 2,000 years, he was the firstborn. And it says, it brings forth much fruit. This is why Jesus went to the cross. Because he's bringing forth much fruit. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Only righteousness can go into heaven. Only righteous souls can go into heaven. And none of us are righteous. All of us are unrighteous. We're all like filthy rags. However, Jesus' righteousness becomes our righteousness. His just purity becomes our justification. Isaiah 53, 11. The Father shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because every one of our sins has a penalty price tied to it. It's like going to Walmart and every time you check out an item, there's a price. Every time I sin in the spirit world, there's a price. There's a price tag on my sin. Who's going to pay that price? Well, every sinner has to come up with a way to pay that price. And if you're not saved, you have to pay that sin price in hell forever. But Jesus paid it all. And on the cross, during those three hours, he took all of that suffering, that infinite amount of suffering, and it was capsuled into those three hours. And it says, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. What is his knowledge? The knowledge of Jesus is the scriptures. It's the gospel. We're all sinners. We need a, a savior. The penalty for sin is death. Jesus paid the price on the cross. He rose from the dead and he proved he was God. And we need to receive that truth. We need to have accept it. And we have to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my God. I want to serve you. I repent of my sinful life. This is the gospel message. And this is the knowledge that the righteous servant shall justify many through. Because he bared their iniquities. Hebrews 12.2 Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus knew he would go to the cross. This plan of what we call the plan of salvation. Jesus knew that all the way back, infinite into the beginnings of time, whenever that was. He was the author of that story. And he's also the finisher. See, when Jesus died and he gave up the ghost, he said, Father, it is finished. Into thy hand I commend my spirit. He will never go back to the cross. And there's no other way to be justified before God except through the way of the cross. And this verse goes on to say, Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. The who being Jesus... He saw into eternity that we were seated with him in the heavenlies and that became his joy who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and he despised the shame and now he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God today. He's on his throne and you know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for the father to say Jesus go back. Go get your children. And we're waiting for that day. And no man knows the day nor the hour. Not even Jesus himself. Which is difficult to understand. Because he's God. 
And yet the father is going to say to Jesus on the throne, go back and get your children. Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This verse is speaking that one day, Jesus is going to divide his inheritance. It says, I will divide him a portion with the great. If you're saved today, God has rewards at the Bema seat for you in heaven. You will have a portion with the great. And he will divide the spoil with the strong. That's a term of war. When a country would conquer another country in the time of Christ, whatever the conquering country would take, that was the spoil of war. And Jesus is saying here, he shall divide the spoil with the strong. See, the weak are not going to get into heaven. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Only the strong in faith will be in heaven. Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me through God himself. So do you see again, this verse is speaking of an inheritance that's there. Here in the world today, I guess everybody would like to be one of Bill Gates' heirs because you would be very, very, very rich and wealthy. And yet money is nothing compared to the inheritance that God has for us in heaven who serve him. Let's look at Romans 8.34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, ye rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. At the judgment day, Jesus' blood will cover our sins if we're a Christian. He is the great intercessor. He intercedes for us. You see, you have to be holy and pure to get into heaven. And all of us are dirty and filthy. So none of us could get into heaven without Christ's blood. And this verse promises that Jesus is our intercessor. Today, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and God, it can be today. And look at these beautiful verses from Isaiah. Do you know they were written 700 years before Christ was born? The Roman country did not exist. Crucifixion as a, a means to torture people and to kill people had not yet been invented. And all of these verses, verse after verse after verse, that were written 700 years before Christ was born, all of these prove Jesus is God. Which one of us in this room could say in the year 2717, this will happen, and this will happen, and these 25 other things will happen, and they will happen in this perfect order? None of us can do that. Only God can see the future. He has listed this beautiful description of what will happen at the cross. It's beautiful because it contains our salvation. It was a, a horrific event. But it's beautiful in that God takes his joy from it. It's beautiful 
because it's our way into heaven. It's beautiful because it points out this way of holiness that we discussed several weeks ago. And if you have not received Jesus as your personal Savior today, it can be today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off until tomorrow because we do not know what will happen with us tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for these beautiful verses. Your, your Bible is so awesome. And Lord, you do have the gospel message in this book of Isaiah that was written 2,700 years ago. And it pointed that you were coming to the cross, that you would bear the sins of all of us in this room and, and indeed of everybody out in the world today. And Lord, that you would bring people into our life, into our paths, that we can share the gospel message with. And Father, you know what we're going to be doing this week. I ask that you would bless all of the senior saints in this room today. Let them make their appointments. If they have aches or pains, Lord, please take them away. And Lord, we know that you answer prayer, that you are a great God, and that your Holy Spirit is here, that you would bless all of the people in this room, in this community. And Jesus, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for the cross. But most of all, thank you for salvation, for that free gift that you offer all of us. We love you, God. Amen.